Let's turn back to John chapter 14. We're again talking about what to do in a crisis situation, the Christian survival kit. We've studied from John 14, 1 through 14. In verse 15, here's the next thing, the way that I see it, the way that I broke out this teaching. He says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he... that." He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also." At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And I think we'll stop right there. But the next thing he begins to talk about after he's talked about don't panic, believe, put it all into perspective, think about heaven, that if worse comes to worse, you're going to go to be with the Lord. And then you've got to recognize the power of what you've got in our situation, the power of the Word, that everything you need is in there. Then I believe what he talks about is he starts referring to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to take a number of verses throughout John 14, 15, and 16 and talk about the Holy Spirit. But in a crisis situation, boy, you've got to draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that's what he's speaking to his disciples about, is about the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I'll go as far as to say this, and many, many people would disagree with this, especially evangelicals and uh, people who do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. But I just don't believe you are going to enter into a totally victorious, abundant life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's optional. I don't think it just is a help along the way. I think it's absolutely necessity. I really believe that. Now, am I saying that you can't be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit? No. There's some Pentecostal groups that believe that, that you aren't truly born again until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. I don't believe that's true. I believe you can still go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I believe you'll get there quicker if you don't have the Holy Spirit because you won't have the power to be able to overcome sickness and disease and and win, and you, you can still go to heaven. You can get there quicker without the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said in many different places, and I could do uh, you know, multiple teachings on the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to really try and hit on a couple of areas tonight. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for vict- victory in a crisis situation. And you know, it's amazing to me, but a lot of Christians, and a lot of Christians who's been, who've been filled with the Holy Spirit, don't really use the Holy Spirit in a crisis situation. I've had people come to me and they start talking about they don't know what to do. And some of the things I'm going to talk about tonight is how you can draw on supernatural, godly wisdom that resides on the inside of you by speaking in tongues and interpreting it. And I've had people come to me before in crisis situations and they're seeking God for an answer and I'll ask them, so have you prayed in tongues over this? And no, they've gone weeks, sometimes months, and they never speak in tongues. And they don't even relate the two. I tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is super powerful. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Spirit is God's gift of power to us. And if you're in a crisis situation, you need power. 
You need the supernatural power of God and there's many things that can release and activate the power of the Holy Spirit. But speaking in tongues is one of the most practical, simple things that you can do and it's amazing how many Christians don't draw on this. I remember I taught on this at one of my minister's conferences and I was just talking about the importance of speaking in tongues and flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And I had dozens of ministers come up to me. These are ministers who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, pastoring churches. And they just said, you know what? It's been years since I've taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they just hadn't emphasized it. And they were trying to deal with all of their problems without the benefit of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing. You know, I just got through uh, Sunday morning. I was in a church that runs about 150, maybe 200 people or something like that. And we gave an invitation and saw 15 or 20 people come receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was just recently in uh, uh, Bob Nichols' church, who's one of my best friends. And this guy is a Pentecostal to the max. And, you know, speaks in tongues and operates in the gifts and does everything. And yet I was at his church and on Sunday morning I gave an invitation and over 75, 80 people came forward for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not unusual for me to go into a church and see somewhere around anywhere from 10 to 20% of the people in the church come and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in quote-unquote spirit-filled churches. And you know what? I just think that's terrible. And it's an indication that the spirit-filled churches have gotten away from the very thing that caused them to come into existence in the first place. Many of you don't have this perspective because you've come to the Lord relatively recently. But I remember back in the 60s when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was not, there was no such thing as a Spirit-filled church. You had the ultra-Pentecostals, uh, the holiness people that didn't believe anybody but them were saved and nobody would have anything to do with them and they were just totally out in left field. And you had the Assembly of God. The Assembly of God was fairly large, but the Assembly of God fought the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues worse than the denominational churches did. Not that they doubted that it existed, but they believed that the whole charismatic thing was totally wrong. They believed that you had to tarry for days, weeks, months. Some of them had tarried for 20 years waiting on God to give the Holy Spirit. And they just totally, I mean the assembly of God were death on the charismatic, spirit-filled movement. And so because of that, there was nowhere to go. And people who were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit had no place that was receptive. And so these Spirit-filled churches started popping up. And the reason they came into existence was because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The full gospel businessman. Now, if you go to a full gospel businessman thing, you're doing good to have 10 or 15 old people show up at a full gospel businessman's breakfast or something. Back then, you used to have four or five, ten thousand people. I've been in a thing where full gospel ministry. It was something, and it was all built around the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People were receiving it. Miracles were happening. And that's what birthed all of these Spirit-filled churches that we have today. And yet, you can go into the typical Spirit-filled church today and give an invitation for people who have never received the Holy Spirit and never spoken in tongues and see 10, 20, 30 percent of their people come forward because they've gotten away from it. 
So I'm just using that to illustrate that Jesus is saying in a crisis situation, he started talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how he would comfort us and how he would come and do all of these things for us. And it's amazing how many spirit-filled people, when they come into a crisis situation, they may go and pray and ask God for help and beg God for help, but they don't use the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been given them. And that's just... its uh, I can't understand what the logic behind this is. Man, God has given us a powerful thing. And the only way that I can even come close to understanding this is that I think that one of the mistakes that the charismatic move made, they emphasize speaking in tongues as a, or they will call it the uh, evidence of speaking in tongues. And I think that sometimes it's presented that the reason you speak in tongues is to prove that you have the Holy Spirit. And if that's the way people heard it, and if that's, they, if that's what they think that speaking in tongues is all about, is just a evidence or a proof that you got the Holy Spirit, well then I think that that could be why people do this, is because they don't understand the real importance of it. But man, the, speaking in tongues is one of the most powerful things that you can do. It's just like... Uh, setting fire to kerosene or something like that. Man, something happens when you go to speaking in tongues. And if you're in a crisis situation, you ought to go to flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and it will ignite the power of God on the inside of you. You know, the Scripture says over in Isaiah chapter 28, talking about this gift of speaking in tongues, it was prophesying, and it says, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing with stammering lips and another tongue will God speak unto His people. And then that's quoted over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as being specifically talking about tongues. So it says that the gift of speaking in tongues will cause you to rest and it will refresh you. How many times have you ever been stressed out? Have you ever felt like being refreshed? You need some encouragement. And I can guarantee you, lots of people who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you get stressed out and need encouragement, something is going on, you may go and you may pray to the Lord and ask God to help you, or you may go to church or go to somebody and cry on their shoulder and ask for help. But lots of people who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit don't even draw on what they've got. And the Bible says when you speak in tongues, it refreshes you and it, uh, uh, what was that, refresh? This is the rest. It re- it'll cause you to rest and it'll refresh you. It also says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that it builds you up. It edifies you. In uh, Jude chapter 1 verse 20, you build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Man, if all those things are true, which it is, well then if you're discouraged and if you need to be refreshed and if you aren't refreshed, it's not time to pray and ask God to do something. It's time for you to take the gift that He's given you and just start using it. And when you pray in tongues and do it in faith, you can pray in tongues carnally, but if you pray in tongues in faith, it just refreshes you. It comforts you. The Holy Spirit was called the Comforter four or five times in John 14, 15, and 16. And the Holy Spirit, if you go to praying in tongues, it will comfort you. I couldn't tell you. How many times I've been in a crisis situation and man, your mind is just going crazy and your emotions are going weird and how do you grab hold of them? You know what I'll do? I'll go to praying in tongues and praying in tongues, it just gives me instant rest, refreshing. It takes away stress. There is zero reason. You know, you can't blame your crisis situation. You can't blame the traffic. 
as stressing you out or anything. If you're in traffic, go to praying in tongues if it stresses you out. And it'll, it'll give you refreshing. It'll cause you to rest. There isn't a good excuse for us living the way that we live when we have the Holy Spirit that is called the Comforter that refreshes, that gives us rest, that builds us up on our most holy faith, that edifies us and does all of these things. And if we're stressed out and are operating in fear and all these things, it's not because God hasn't given us what we need. It's because we aren't taking advantage of it. So here the Lord is speaking about the Holy Spirit. Let me just skip through a few verses here in John chapter 14 and verse 26. Here's another thing about the Holy Spirit. He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, again... Man, this is awesome. I've got an entire teaching. I've got a five-tape set on the positive ministry of the Holy Spirit that you ought to get. And one of the main points is that the Holy Spirit, if most people were to ascribe a descriptive name to the Holy Spirit as to what He does, most people would call Him the condemner or the convictor or the one who makes me miserable. You hear people give testimonies about that all the time, that the Holy Spirit just wouldn't give me any rest until I finally gave this. And people attribute that to the Holy Spirit, but that is absolutely wrong. The Holy Spirit is not the one that convicts you over your individual actions of sin. Over in John chapter 16, verse 9, 10, and 11, it explains that. And that's what that whole series is about. I hadn't got time to get into that. But the Holy Spirit is a comforter, not an afflictor. If you aren't comforted, comforted, it's either because you don't have the Holy Spirit or you aren't using the gifts of the Holy Spirit to fulfill its job. Man, that's just pretty powerful. I tell you what, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's awesome. It's awesome. And most of us aren't drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit. But it says, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You know, I could spend an hour talking about this. This is a major revelation to me. The Holy Spirit is sent to teach and instruct you. And we were just talking about the importance of the Word and how that the Word of God in a crisis situation has to become a focus and you have to take these truths and let it build you up. The Holy Spirit is sent to lead you into the truth of, of the Word. I just had a guy talk to me today, and he said that he reads lots of different translations, and I'm not a King James only guy. I believe you can read whatever translation. You can read bad translations if you want to. Amen? No. I use the King James because I believe it's the most accurate, but I understand that some people struggle with it. But you know, to me, if you were to read the Word of God with an open heart, the Holy Spirit can explain that the means you. That's not a, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to get this. It's not hard, but the problem is people read the Word of God with their brain and try and understand it intellectually instead of letting God speak it to your heart. And if you have the Holy Spirit that is sent to teach you all things and lead you into all truth and bring all things to your remembrance, it really doesn't matter what translation you're using. God can quicken truth to you. The problem is people don't draw on the ministry of the Holy Spirit when they read the Word. They're trying to intellectually dissect it instead of letting it speak to you. You know, when I read the Word, I could spend a lot of time on this. I really, I've got some other things I really want to get into. So I'm going to hit this real quick. But when I read the Word, I don't care what I think with my brain. 
It doesn't matter what I saw or read. I will meditate on it until I perceive in my heart that this is either truth or something like that. I don't go with just what I'm seeing and what I'm thinking in my brain. I read the Word with my heart and not with my head. Now, your head is a part of getting it to your heart. So I'm not saying that you don't use your mind, but I don't know how to describe that exactly. But I read things in the Word that look good to me and it sounds good, but you know what? As I meditate on it, it just I can't seem to get that fixed in my heart and I just let it go. It doesn't matter how, it, how much sense it makes intellectually. If I can't get it established in my heart, I don't live it. And what this is, is really, it's just the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit can't interpret this to me and make it a revelation so that it's functional in my life, I just don't, I don't go with it. I don't study the Word with my brain. I study it with my heart. There's a difference. It's what I call revelation knowledge. It doesn't come through your eyes and through your ears and things like that. It comes through your heart. It's knowledge that comes up out of the inside of you. And when you read the Word, something on the inside of me says, that's it. Man, I bear witness with that. That fits over here. This is truth. It's logic. And it's my heart that recognizes the truth. It's not just my brain. Anyway, I could spend a lot of time on that. But this is power. And here's another thing also. It says that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I've spoken unto you. And you know, I am not saying that it's wrong to take notes. It's wrong to do all of this. But you know what? When you keep notes... I can guarantee you, you're probably going to write down something that somebody says that isn't true. And when you go back and study your notes, you're going to be studying error. It just happens that way. Not everybody speaks the truth and not every person is going to speak the truth. But you know what? If you let the Holy Spirit do your note taking, He will only bring back to your remembrance what Jesus has spoken unto you. He'll weed all that other stuff out. And you know, when I'm sitting listening to somebody preach, I don't take notes. I'll sit there and listen, and I'll be listening with my heart. And if God quickens something to me, then man, I've got it. And I'll go back and study it, and the Holy Spirit will bring things back to my remembrance. But I used to take copious notes. I used to do all of this, and as I'd go back and study them years later, i think, that's not right. Well, you know, this was wrong, and I had a lot of error and junk in there, and I found this scripture, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to open up my heart and listen to God. And if God speaks truth to me, He will bring that truth back to my uh, remembrance. And that way, I only remember the things that God spoke. I forget all of the things that He didn't speak. And it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to remind me. Amen? Amen. That's not a major point, but it's it's a good point. And it's something that works. You know, some people just... They don't depend upon the Holy Spirit. One of His purposes is to bring to your remembrance the things that Jesus has spoken to you. You ought to spend time praying in tongues and letting the Holy Spirit quicken your understanding and bring things back to your remembrance. He'll make your brain work better. That's awesome. You know what? There's some. I'm going to just skip over. Let's turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let me share some things. With you. Did I minister and hear about speaking in tongues and interpreting your tongue? Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Of course, you've got to remember that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were talked about in chapter 12. The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, two of them were speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Chapter 13 talked about that the speaking in tongues is better if it's motivated by the Holy Spirit. It's not saying that the love is better than the gifts. It's just saying that the gifts operating in love is superior to the gifts operating without love. And then chapter 14, he comes back to the gifts of the Spirit and he says, follow after charity or God's kind of love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesies speaketh unto man to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So that verse 4 says that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you edify. The word edify means to promote spiritual growth or to build up spiritually. So every time you speak in tongues, you are promoting spiritual growth and building yourself up. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, Build up your, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So speaking in tongues will build you up and cause you to operate in your most holy faith. Let's go back to verse 2 and look at this. It says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. When you are speaking in tongues, you are speaking to God. That's super important. And notice what it says, For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, if you'll remember my teaching on spirit, soul, and body, your spirit is a part of you that was completely changed at salvation. It's already passed from death unto life. In the Spirit, you have the mind of Christ. There's so many scriptures that talk about this. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ. Colossians 3.10, you have uh, been renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created you. 1 John 2, verse 20, you have an unction from the Holy One and know all things. Those things are true in your spirit. The Spirit is the part of you that has the mind of Christ. And when you pray in tongues, it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14, it says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So when you're praying in tongues, this part of you that has the mind of Christ and knows all things is praying. And what are you praying? It says in verse 2, you are speaking mysteries in the spirit. Oh, that's a powerful statement. It's not just gibberish. It's not just words that have no meaning. Your spirit is praying, the part of you that has the mind of Christ, and you are speaking the mysteries of God. Now look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the same book. It's the same author writing to the same group of people. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he says, "...in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained, before the world unto our glory. Paul said he was speaking the wisdom of God in a mystery. 
And that's what he was preaching. He wasn't preaching the wisdom of man. He was preaching the wisdom of God, but it was in a mystery. And in this same book, the same writer said in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, that when you pray in tongues, you are speaking mysteries in the spirit realm. So put all of this together, and you know what Paul is saying? Paul went on to say that he didn't learn this from man. He didn't get it from any man. Over in Galatians, he explained this. He says, I didn't go up. I didn't even see any of the apostles except for Peter for three days. But I went into the deserts of Arabia. And he claimed that this revelation of the grace of God that he was preaching was a direct revelation from God. How did he get it? Well, if you put 1 Corinthians 2 with 1 Corinthians 14... When you are speaking in tongues, you are speaking these hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. And then it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 13, that if any man pray in tongues, let him also pray that he interpret. Now, I'll admit that in 1 Corinthians 14, the number one application of these scriptures is talking about how the gift of speaking in tongues operates in the church. But it's not limited to the church because Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And yet, he wasn't talking about in the church. He said, in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So when he said he spoke in tongues more than all of them, the whole body of believers put together, he wasn't talking about in the church he did that. He was talking about in his private life. So it has dual application. Yes, in a church service, you need an interpreter. So if you're going to pray in tongues, pray that you interpret. But... You could also say the same thing is true in your private life. If you're praying in tongues, what are you doing? You're speaking to God. What are you doing? You're praying the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery, the same thing that Paul said he was preaching. And you have the precedent to pray that you interpret. And so you know what you can do? You can speak in tongues. Your spirit, the part of you that has the mind of Christ and knows everything, is praying out what your answer is. And all you got to do is pray that you interpret. And that's awesome. I don't know if you understood that or not. But this is one of the greatest keys to the wisdom of God that God has ever given us. Speaking in tongues is much more than just something you do to get a goosebump and prove that you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is one of the most practical things that you can possibly ever do is to pray in tongues, understand your spirit that knows the perfect will of God and has the mind of God is praying this hidden wisdom and then just pray that you interpret. Did you know that this very building you're sitting in is here because of these scriptures that I shared with you? You know, we bought this building... $3.2 million, and we took out a loan on that, and the guy that gave us the loan on this building said that, you know, the construction loan, this was just a total uh, shell, and it took uh, $3.2 million to finish out this construction. And the um, Evangelical Christian Credit Union, where we bank, and he gave us the loan for this, He says, I wouldn't have given you the loan if we hadn't already have approved the construction loan. He says, this building is useless to you without the construction loan. He says, it's no problem. You'll have it within a week. That was December of 2002. By January, or no, it was um, August of 2003, which was nine or ten months later, 
He still hadn't given it to us. And I was pressing him, man, when are we going to get this construction on? We got to get this going. He says, you know, it's been so long. Let's start it over. Let's get a new appraisal. Let's begin the whole process over. And here we were 10 months down the road and I had been waiting. We actually had all of the plumbing dug. All of the plumbing came right through here and that sat that way for nearly a year, actually over a year. And uh, we ran out of money and didn't have it. And man, nothing was working. And when he said, let's just start the process over, all I could see was another year with nothing happening. And you know what? I remember saying, matter of fact, I was talking to David, our general manager, and I'd forgotten this. But David came from the bank trying to get that construction loan. And on the way back, the Lord spoke to him and said, you know what? We aren't going to need that construction loan. We're going to pay cash for it. And, and David said that, you know, every time I walked by his office, I always stuck my head in and said hi or something. This time I just walked right by and walked out to this gazebo and I was sitting there. I don't even remember this stuff, but he was telling me this today. And he says, I went out there and said, you know, I was getting ready to tell you about this, what the Lord spoke to him about the construction loan. And... Uh, David said something like, I just came from the bank. And I said, David, I don't want to hear it. I believe God's speaking to me about something and I, I don't want anything to confuse me. And I said, just give me a few days. And that was like a Thursday and Monday I came in. But what happened was, after this happened and after I saw that we were rejected and this guy wanted to do it over again, I went home and I've got this trail I walked on and I stuck my finger on these verses in Scripture. And I said, God, I know that in my spirit, you have already given me wisdom. And I know all things. I have the mind of Christ. And I know exactly what to do with this situation. And I said, I need this wisdom out of my spirit and into my brain. And I said, I'm going to pray in tongues and believe that I interpret. And I started walking. And before I got to my first rock that says, if you don't, I will. I've got that written on there. And before I got to that rock, which is only 250 yards down my trail, I had this prophecy come back to me that it was given to me in 2001. And Dave Duell stood up and says, you've got a bank that is going to pay for this whole thing. And man, my antennas went up like, what bank is that? And he says, that bank is your partner's. You aren't going to need to take out a loan. And you know, somehow or another, I had just spaced that. I don't know why. I just really hadn't meditated on it. And I started praying and saying, God, there's an answer. What is the answer? I'm praying in tongues and believe that I interpret. Within less than 10 minutes, I had a prophecy come back to me out of the blue from a couple of years before about don't take out a loan. And you know what? I spent two and a half days praying in tongues and making sure because when I I finally came in on Monday, I walked into David's office and I said, well, I'm not going to take out a loan. I said, we're going to do this thing debt-free. Our partners are going to do it. And I I told him, I said, this is either the smartest thing I've ever done or the dumbest thing I've ever done. Because at the rate we had saved money, over 10 years, we might have had $30,000 set aside. At the rate I was going, it would have taken me five lifetimes to come up with $3.2 million. It would have killed our Bible college, it would have killed the phone center, it would have killed the ministry. And once I made that decision, I remember telling David, I said, if somebody comes to me tomorrow and offers me all of the money I need, I won't take it as a loan. I said, if they give it to me, I'll take it, but I'm not going to take out a loan. Did you know that the very next day, a bank came to us and says, you don't need $3.2 million, you need over $4 million. We're, we're authorizing $4 million loan to you the very next day. 
And I said, I'm not taking it. Because God told me to do it debt free. And, and you know what? In 14 months, we had this thing done debt free. We saved buku amount of interest. And we got it done quicker than if we had gone with somebody else. I was tired of dealing with banks. And now our cash flow and our equity and everything is through the roof. We are in such strong financial position. It is one of the smartest things I've ever done. And you know how it came to pass? Praying in tongues and asking God for an interpretation. I'm telling you, when you're in a crisis situation, your spirit knows exactly what to do. You have the mind of Christ, and all you got to do is pray in tongues and ask for an interpretation. It is that simple. Now, it sometimes takes some effort for you to grow in this and get to where you trust things. You can't just pray in tongues and take the first thought that comes to your mind. Like, say, for instance, if you're having trouble in your marriage and you pray in tongues, and the first thought that comes is, I want to kill them. You know what? That's not God. (laughs) The Word of God has to supersede anything. And one of the things that I do is if I feel like God has given me an interpretation to tongue, I will sit there and for two or three days, I'll just cut everything out. I'll fast. I'll pray. I'll focus on God and pray about it and make sure that I am focused on God without any distraction. And the more into the presence of God I get, if I had a carnal reaction, a carnal thought, The more I focus on the Lord, the less I desire to do that. But if the desire keeps increasing, then I follow it. And this has saved my life a lot of times. I was actually going to uh, Costa Rica one time. I'd already been there once, and they invited me back, and I had it lined up, and I had the pastor was going with me. We had already bought our tickets, and um, as I was moved, this was in 1980. I was moving my mother from Arlington, Texas, up here to come to work for me. And as I drove her truck from Arlington, Texas, up here, the speed limit was 55 back then. It used to take 17 hours to drive it. And during that drive, I was driving this rental truck, and um, I just started praising God and praying in tongues. And you know what? When I prayed in tongues, all of a sudden, I didn't want to go to Costa Rica. I hated the thought of going to Costa Rica. And so what I did was to make sure that this wasn't just me being tired of traveling or me not liking being in a third world country or something like that. I spent 17 hours praying in tongues, driving that truck back. And did you know what? The more I prayed about it, the less I liked going to Costa Rica. And the scripture says, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. I lost all of my peace about going to Costa Rica. And so based on that, praying in tongues, believing that this was what God was telling me to do, I called these people up and canceled. And it was only a month out or two months or something like that. And they had already advertised it. And they said, what are we going to do? We've got people coming. And I said, I can't help it. I can't go. And they said, are you mad at us or what happened? I said, no, I just don't want to go. And they didn't understand that at all. And they got mad at me. And you know what? I've lost that relationship. Those people never invited me back. They got very upset at it. But you know what happened? That plane that we were scheduled on took off from Mexico City and crashed and killed 169 people on board. And I would have been, that was the flight that we were booked on. I'd have been dead if I hadn't have been praying in tongues and receiving that interpretation. The scripture says over here in John chapter 16. Where we're headed, it says that um, it says that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. 
Well, let me just read this. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. This says that it's better to have the Holy Spirit than it is to have Jesus. Not many of us would go with that. Most of us would say, oh, Jesus, I'd love for you to come in your physical body and stand here and be with me. But Jesus is saying it's actually better to have the Holy Spirit with you and the gifts of the Holy Spirit than it is to have Jesus in his physical body present with you. Boy, that is just nearly hard to believe. And um, I'm missing this verse. It's right here either at the end. Where is it? Verse 13, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Think about what that means. John 16, 13. Think about what that means. You know what? If you were to just apply this into the, your everyday life, into your business life, the Lord could show you before the fads change what is going to work and what isn't going to work. What the stock market's going to do. Now, I'm not saying that he'll fix the stock market for you, but he will show you. If you would listen, if you would pray in tongues, God will tell you what to do. Did you know David Hardesty that runs our ministry? He was praying in tongues one time, and the Lord told him to buy Kmart stock when it went filed for bankruptcy. It went down to 19 cents a share, and he wanted to buy $20,000 worth of Kmart stock. He was praying in tongues and felt like that's what he should do. He went to his broker and his broker says, no way, this thing is bankrupt. It's going to go belly up. Don't do it. And his broker talked him out of it. Did you know within one year that, I forget what it was selling for, $17, $19 a share, he could have made two point something million dollars if he would have followed through with what the Holy Spirit told him. Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And you know how you do that? When you speak in tongues, you're speaking the hidden wisdom of God, and all you've got to do is pray that you interpret. Did you know that the revelation that I'm teaching you, it's not only this. I've spent a lot of time studying the Word, so I'm not saying that this is all there is to it. You just pray in tongues. But when I first got really turned on to the Lord, I fell in love with the Word of God, and I started studying the Word 16 hours a day. And I did that for a couple of years, and the Word of God was just revolutionizing my life. And then, right as I was exiting the Baptist church, right after Jamie and I got married, this is 1972 is when we got married, and from October until about February or something like that, we were still in the Baptist church. And I felt like the Lord told me it was time to go full-time in the ministry, and I wasn't working a job. And so what I did was sit down every day. I took a legal pad of paper and I had about three or four hundred scriptures that I was meditating on and saying, God, what does this mean? This is radically different than everything I've ever heard. And I had the verse references written out on this legal pad. It took, uh, I think, three pages of that legal stuff front and backwards for me just to list the references. And I listed them all the way across the page, hundreds of them. And then what I would do, the way I meditated on it, for about 12 hours a day, I would sit down and write those verses out longhand. And I would meditate on every word as I wrote those verses. I spent 12 hours a day writing those scriptures out every day for six months. This was my routine. 12 hours a day studying those scriptures, writing them out, meditating on it. And then after I studied them, 
I went and sat in my closet. This is right after Jamie and I got married. We had a one-bedroom closet, and it was just a little tiny thing, and that's the only place I had to go. And I would sit in this closet, move the shoes out of the way on the floor, sit underneath the clothes, and pray in tongues for an hour or two every day with my finger on these verses about, God, I'm praying in tongues. I believe I'm speaking the hidden wisdom of God, and I'm asking you to interpret it. And I did that every day for about six months. That was my routine. And at the end of six months, we got kicked out of the Baptist church. I moved over back in with my mother right after we had been married. And I was staying with my mother living in her house, Jamie and I were. And in one week's time, God showed me basically everything I'm teaching today. He gave me a, it was just like, boom, I saw it. I got revelation. Now, I've gotten a tremendous amount of detail. I've probably had more revelation in 2006 than I've ever had from the Word of God in my life. It is just, it's bigger and better than it's ever been. It'll be two or three years before you hear me teach any of that. But man, I have been getting awesome revelation this year. So I'm not saying that I haven't got additional things, but the outline. It's like, you know, the Lord drew a picture and all of a sudden I just understood things. Revelation, knowledge came to me and I am still trying to explain today what I saw in 1973. And you know how it happened? Through studying the Word 10, 12 hours a day, praying in tongues an hour or two and asking God for an interpretation. And revelation knowledge just exploded on the inside of me. Did you have a comment or question back here? What's that? Here's kind of different because we're in a class, but I mean, I, there's plenty of churches where people are speaking in tongues. Well, the p- point is that you don't dominate an assembly. Like I have people that come forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then we pray with them. And I ask the people who have the Holy Spirit to pray in tongues. But I'll say, now don't, you know, scream, yell. Just pray in tongues so that these people won't feel like you're listening to them. There's nothing wrong with you praying in tongues in a church service. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is talking about a person who is up dominating the assembly. And and if you read this, the people came together and they just spoke in tongues to each other. And the preacher would stand up there and just speak in tongues. That's what Paul is preaching against. The person who is leading the service should not be up... You've, you know, you guys have been in um, class here and you've never heard me speak in tongues, I don't think, in this school. I don't speak in tongues in school. And yet I speak in tongues probably more than all of you put together. I just don't speak in tongues in here. And we don't speak in tongues in our school and stuff. We, when we, sometimes when we're worshiping the Lord, if we're praying for something, you might be able to hear somebody speak in tongues, but you aren't ever going to have somebody stand up with the microphone and spend, stand there and speak in tongues for five or ten minutes or something like that unless it's a prophecy and there's an interpretation that comes forth with it. I believe that what we're doing is keeping the spirit of it. So people who are criticizing like that are people who have a bias, a prejudice against speaking in tongues, and they're just looking for some way to criticize it and stand against it. 
There's nothing wrong with you speaking in tongues as long as you're speaking to yourself. If somebody wants to lean over and hear you, you haven't violated the Scripture. You aren't violating the Scripture unless you're dominating the assembly and controlling it by speaking in tongues. And that's what Paul is is talking about. And so speaking in tongues is a super powerful uh, gift. Man, I had so much more to say about this and I didn't get there. But the point I wanted to get across is that he said, use the Holy Spirit. Two of the things that the Holy Spirit will do in a crisis situation that will help you immensely is give you revelation knowledge of exactly what it is that you need to do. And then if you pray in tongues, you can receive an interpretation and get very specific direction of what to do. Now, there needs to be some qualification. Some people... Has the bell rung? What time do we go to? Okay, so i got time to say this. If you're speaking in tongues, you don't have to stop speaking in tongues and then speak in English. It's not an interpretation. Or let me say it this way. It's not like a translation. It's not like every word you speak in tongues has to be translated into English or something like that. Down here in 1 Corinthians chapter... Uh, 14, verse 14, it says, When you speak in tongues, your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. All you need is for your understanding to become fruitful. Like when I told you about me speaking in tongues and God told me not to take out a loan, He brought that prophecy back to my remembrance. He didn't... It's not like I spoke in tongues and then I got, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not take out a loan. You will... That's not it at all. I was just praying in tongues. You've got to do something with your brain while you're praying in tongues because it's not your brain praying. This is one way that you can tell whether your speaking in tongues is real or not. Can you still do something with your brain over here? Can you read a scripture and understand it and retain it while you're speaking in tongues? If you're speaking in tongues with your brain and not with your spirit, if you're just doing it religiously, you can't do two things with your mind at once. You can't read a scripture and quote, Mary had a little lamb at the same time and still retain understanding. But you know what you can do? You can read the Word of God and have tremendous revelation and be focused and retain exactly what you're saying and at the same time be speaking in tongues the whole time because it's not your brain praying, it's your spirit praying. So when you're praying in the Spirit, you've got to do something with your mind. And so you start... Praying with your understanding also. And all you have to do is just have your understanding become fruitful. You don't have to stop. Like if you're in a church service, you would have to stop speaking in tongues and then give an interpretation so that other people could prosper. But if you're praying by yourself, all you got to do is speak in tongues and then just have your understanding become fruitful. I was praying, God, what do I do about this loan situation? And boom, just like that, I had a prophecy come back and it reminded me that God said I didn't need a loan. My partners were my bank. And I put all of that together and I just had an inspired idea and that was my interpretation. You know, the Lord, I really believe that the gifts of the Spirit that I operate in, I've called people out before and told them their name, never seen them before. Told people things that are wrong with them. Read their mail. Did you know what? I actually believe that that's an interpretation of a tongue. And yet, I may be praying in tongues, you know, over the Christmas holidays, and it, it might have been in Phoenix that the interpretation came. I don't have to get it right then. I'm just praying in tongues, I'm, and I'm praying for wisdom, and God will give me the interpretation and the wisdom when I need it. 
That's the way that it happens. So the point that I'm making is it's not like you pray in tongues for one minute and then you have one minute's worth of interpretation. It's not like that. You can pray in tongues, but just as you're praying, say, Father, I pray also that I interpret. I believe that you're going to make my understanding become fruitful. And it might be six months of praying in tongues. And then all of a sudden it's like, Satan, there was maybe some hindrance that was keeping you from receiving. It was like a dam that was holding back all of this revelation. And then boom, one truth comes and it's like the dam breaks and you just get flooded with revelation all at once. There's many different ways it can come. And all I'm trying to do is just say that, you know, you need to be careful that you don't think you have to just pray in tongues for 30 seconds and pray in English for 30 seconds and interpret it. It's not like that. It's just all of a sudden you understand Things come clear to you. Boy, if you're in a crisis situation, how important is this? To be able to have the Holy Spirit that knows everything and is the comforter and will teach you all things and lead you into all truth and bring all things to your remembrance. Just start using it. Start praying in tongues and draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. I guarantee it will totally change you. Amen? All right, let's take a break. We'll come back.